0: Welcome to this week's episode of the Sustainer segment of the John Henry Weston Show. I'm Danielle Zuccaro, the Sustaining Donor Coordinator with LifeSite News. We're thrilled to bring you our second episode featuring Sustaining Donors' Questions and John Henry Weston's Answers. Sustaining Donors are our monthly donors, and they form a community of givers who give month in and month out to support and sustain LifeSite. As a monthly donor, you get exclusive insider perks such as access to our team, behind the scenes videos, and sometimes even exclusives on breaking news stories. And our newest perk is that you get to submit questions to the John Henry Weston show as this portion is now called the sustainer segment. So if you'd like to become a monthly donor, please sign up below. There's a link or you can give at give.lifesitenews.com slash sustainlife. We hope that you'll join us as a part of our monthly donor community. Thanks so much for being here, John Henry.
1: Hello, and thank you for sustaining LifeSite News and keeping us going, even in these hard times. I wanted to just interject quickly, uh, just to give you a little intro to Danielle Zuccaro. Um, Danielle is just Awesome, we love her to pieces here at LifeSite News. She came to LifeSite in 2018. She is so dynamic at what she does. She actually moved us from 300 sustainers in 20 in 2018 to now over 7,500 of you who are really keeping LifeSite going, even in these very tough times. So thank you for your support. But Danielle is. Amazing, not only in terms of connecting you with what's going on behind the scenes at LifeSite, but also with being able to share her awesome personality, her deep pro-life convictions, and her deep faith. She's inspired many, not only at LifeSight, but also over at the Catholic University campuses at which she works as well. So, uh, Danielle, back to you.
0: Well, thank you so much for the introduction. I really appreciate it. And now we'll get underway with our five top questions for today. I think you'll enjoy them, so stay tuned. Let's begin, as we always do, with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Our first question today comes from Jane in Fredericksburg, Virginia. Jane writes, What are your thoughts on the upcoming Texas case being brought before the Supreme Court, and what are the implications of the decision?
1: Well, the Texas case is really something else. I mean, this... First of all, we're gonna have a Supreme Court case on abortion being heard on Monday. So this is a big deal for the pro-life movement. This is a big deal all around. What happened with the Supreme Court back in September is that they refused to allow judges to basically nix the Texas law that made abortionists have to check for a heartbeat before they perform the abortion, before they kill the baby. Uh, why use their terminology? But anyway, so that must be done. But these laws, normally pro-life laws, when they're passed in various states, they're always nixed by the courts and nothing can be done about it because basically everybody turns back to Roe v. Wade and therefore says, nope, nope, nothing can be done. That, That law is garbage. Forget it. Well, with this one, it was very interesting because the Texas law has a very interesting mechanism of enforcement. It's not with law enforcement. It's by civil suits done by the public. So if the public finds out that there's a late-term abortion going on or late-her-term, remember, the heartbeat starts around six weeks. So this is very concerning for abortionists. Most abortions happen post-six weeks. Remember, a lot of women don't know that they're pregnant. Even in that first month of pregnancy, they, they wonder if they've missed a first period or whatnot. But by six, seven, eight weeks, that's where you start to understand, whoa, okay. And so a large number of abortions happen in this later period. And so this is very threatening for abortionists. You have to understand something about the abortion industry too. It is an industry. For the most part, these aren't people like in the pro-life movement. Abortion doctors who actually go in and kill the children who actually go in and suction the babies out piece by piece from their mother's wombs who are doing the killing. They're actually, for the most part, not ideological activists. They're not there for the good of, you know, the pro-choice movement. No, actually they're there for a business. They're there making money, blood money. And that's just the way it is. And so, That's why you've seen over and over and over again on so many exposés done by the pro-life movement, absolute horror going on in terms of the so-called clinics where this killing business happens. And what happens is, you know, they find filthy conditions in the clinics. They find doctors who rarely care about what's going on with their patients and (laughs) reuse medical equipment that they shouldn't be reusing uh, before sterilization. The, sometimes the conditions are deplorable. Sometimes you have the staff not properly counseling women as to the effects of the abortion and possible side effects. It's just unbelievable what goes on. So this is a business. And when you have a business, and then the law threatens you with possible lawsuit, in fact, state-sanctioned lawsuits of civilians toward an abortion business that's happening illegally in the state, which is abortions beyond a heartbeat and the necessity to check for one, all of a sudden the businessmen, the abortionists, well, they don't wanna get in trouble with their business and therefore they'll shut it down, go to another state, do something else. And that's the thing. That's why this is such a danger to the pro-abortion movement. That's why the Biden administration went absolutely crazy. In fact, it's been said, and it was really funny, that the very clearest thing we know about Biden is that he supports abortion. And not only that, that he has made this his cause celeb, that basically fighting the Texas heartbeat law, fighting this decision has been his main his main thing of late. And this is all going to explode on Monday. Of course, LifeSite will be there to cover it live. So tune in to LifeSite News, uh, where you will see our new uh, just launched, yesterday, LSN TV. We will have reporters on the scene and we're gonna be giving you live coverage of what's going on at the Supreme Court on Monday. Um, In terms of outcome and what's going on with this bill, well, as pro-lifers, we all know, this is not a perfect bill. This is not about protecting all babies. This is not about uh, fighting for the right to life. This is about looking at uh, abortion, what it is, what it does, and the, the understanding of the bill was that after a heartbeat is there, that's when we protect these lives. Of course, that's not the pro-life position. The pro-life position is from conception till natural death. And so that's what we fight for ultimately. This measure, though, has served to start the discussion, save some babies' lives, and really, um, hopefully, inspire pro-life legislative action across the United States, and in fact, globally, uh, working toward our end goal of protection of all life from conception till natural death.
0: Thank you so much, John Henry. Our second question today comes from Linda in West Brandywine, Pennsylvania. Linda writes, should we attend the Novus Ordo Mass when we don't have a traditional church around us?
1: Well, I'm no theologian, but I will tell you, Very honestly, I myself go to a Novus Ordo church parish uh, because I don't have a traditional Latin Mass near me. Um, When I'm traveling, however, I do try and attend the traditional Latin Mass and and love it. Um, But where I live, it's, it's a secluded area. But what I would tell you is to make sure you're going to an Orthodox parish. It is so absolutely paramount to get to a parish that's Orthodox, that it's worth uh, doing anything you need to, driving long distances or whatever, to get to an Orthodox parish. It's, this is where you're being fed. This is where your children are being fed. You need to do this. And uh, thankfully where I live, we have a very Orthodox parish uh, and it's an over of parish. And so I've you know seen the work of the Lord there and can attest to that myself. There is a greater reverence in the traditional Latin Mass, and I think that's obvious for anyone to see. But the Church is struggling to get to a place where it comes to a restoration of the place of the Latin Mass, and I think that's coming. I think it's coming particularly because of the fighting against this this latest thing, Traditionis Custodis. From uh, Francis, has shown us that you know when things are going tough. Often people have their last kick at the can. And honestly, the Church of the Latin Mass is on a comeback. And despite everything that Pope Francis and all sorts of leftist bishops are trying to do to stomp it out of existence, it continues to grow everywhere it is. There are young families. And everywhere you find these liberal uh, Novus Ordo parishes that look more like gymnasiums, and they always talk about inclusivity and don't care about any of the Catholic moral teachings, those parishes die. They are old, the congregants are old, and they're dying out. So there's a lot of hope for the traditional Latin Mass, and um, I hope I've answered your question.
0: Thank you so much, John Henry. Our next question comes from Jennifer in Invergrove Heights, Minnesota. Jennifer writes, My question is, what is the ultimate goal of the globalists as millions refuse the jab and go jobless? This has to have a massive effect on the economy as well as commerce in general.
1: Wow, that's quite the question. Um, So first of all, with regard to the agenda of the globalists, as you say, for most, it's always the same agenda. It's power, money, control. And, and I guess it's power and money, basically. Um, and that, that makes total sense with COVID, with the lockdowns, with the vax mandates, with the coming social credit system, which is, of course, where it's all headed. It is an unbelievable uh, way to control people, to control people's lives, to control their livelihoods, to control everything about them. Even their thoughts. This is, of course, what's being done in China with the social credit system, and it is—it's a megalomaniac idea of control, and it's—they've watched it happen. So you know, in China, you get uh, extra social credit score by by reading Xi Jinping's writings. You get uh, you get docked uh, points from your social credit score uh, for. Um, you know, crossing the street the wrong way or from daring to watch a program from the West, which you shouldn't be, or um, any of these things. So this is a method of control that's just unbelievable. And that's what's coming and that's what's wanted. Obviously, they want our money as well, uh, because, you know, look at what they've done to suppress the working medications for COVID and insist on these harmful treatments that are costing lives and yet costing lots of money at the same time so it's unbelievable what is happening and uh the lengths to which uh these globalists will go to uh attain their power and control but there is something underlying all of that and i think that's important to pay attention to as well archbishop Vigano, in his writings talks a lot about where we're at in terms of where we're going to and where what the ultimate agenda here is And it is an agenda of full control for not these puppet globalists who are doing this. It's full control for the devil. It's the devil who wants us to um, abandon freedom. It's the devil who wants us to adopt into our bodies these abortion-tainted jabs as the savior solution for mankind, tainting the whole world, as it were, with the blood of aborted babies. Um, This is a demonic thing uh, in essence. And we need to fight it because we can see all around us this imposition of a type of communist tyranny that's coming along with, um, you know, really a demonic agenda.
0: Our next question comes from Tony in Toronto, Ontario. Tony writes... The hierarchy in the church is more than I can endure as a Catholic these days. I also don't want to leave Christ's one true church. What are your thoughts about attending the Society of St. Pius X masses? I've heard conflicting views from sources I admire, so I would greatly appreciate your wisdom on this topic.
1: Yes, definitely we're in a situation where things are very, very hard to bear. Um, You, you mentioned uh, um, the don't want to leave the Catholic Church, but should I go to the SSPX? Well, let me give you the official, again, I'm no theologian, but I can tell you the take of Bishop Athanasius Schneider. You should know who he is too. He's, of course, he's the Auxiliary Bishop of Astana in Kazakhstan. Um, You will have noticed uh, just yesterday he was uh, featured at our first LifeSite launch, blessing our offices and, and with our staff there in Front Royal. But, um, he also was the official Vatican visitator to uh, the SSPX, and that's very interesting because that means you're assigned by the Pope to go and assess what is this in terms of the Catholic Church. And his position was on the SSPX was, well, they're just Catholics. And so, in your question, you made it sound like you're leaving the Catholic Church to go to the SSPX. You're not leaving the Catholic Church at all. Um, they have valid sacraments they have, in fact, not only do they have a valid Mass um, and and that you can go to as a Catholic, um, remember Pope Francis actually gave SSPX priests uh, the right to hear confessions um, and uh, celebrate marriages. Uh, So this is very interesting because normally in a diocese, uh, you have the bishop that grants the priest the permission or okay or, or or grants him allowability to hear confessions every priest can always hear confessions in emergency circumstances someone's dying and so on and so forth yes but ordinarily you need the bishop's permission in the diocese to be able to hear confessions interestingly pope francis who is pope thus has universal jurisdiction gave the sspx the the ability or the the okay to hear confessions therefore because he's the universal bishop, not only in uh, Rome, his diocese, but also throughout the world. So if anything, the SSPX priest is able to hear confession in every diocese. So no, there's no problem with going to the SSPX um, uh, for, for masses and for confessions and for marriages.
0: So I hope that answers your question. And our final question for today comes from Olivia in Gainesville, Florida. Olivia writes, I believe accepting a COVID vaccination is tantamount to taking the mark of the beast, especially with all the reports from ill effects of the vaccine, and most particularly from the reluctance of the medical, scientific, and political communities to allow open discussion on the matter. My question is, what do you think devout Catholics can do to support others who do not wish to take the vaccine or others who are being subjected to vaccine mandates?
1: Wow. Well, yes, uh, it certainly does seem uh, like something sinister. I wouldn't yet say the Mark of the Beast, but it it certainly seems that we're headed in that direction. Uh, With the Mark of the Beast, and I don't want to go too far down this road, but with the Mark of the Beast, we will be doing something that is known to be intrinsically evil. And I think while for a lot of people it's obvious uh, that, you know, we're accepting an aborted, tainted jab, when you know that and how horrific that is and what that means, I can see that. But for the most part, with the Pope, many of the bishops, and uh, a lot of the even theologians and whatnot, professors and well-respected Catholics saying, yes, it's fine, it's good, in fact, it's obligatory, um, that makes it very difficult to discern what's right and what's wrong. And that's why we have the confusion, you might say a diabolic disorientation. And so, yes, that's going on. So what can we do to support those who are facing VAX mandates and so on? Well, we should, so for, let's say for individuals who are facing uh, the loss of their jobs and whatnot, you have to encourage them to stand up. You have to encourage them to push back because I'll give you a few examples. I had a friend who was being removed from his job uh, for this kind of thing. In fact, he was suspended without pay indefinitely. And he's a father of eight children. He's, you know, sole income earner. What was he to do? Well, he got a paralegal and fought the case. He went to his employer and showed him, the paralegal showed him, and, and he, how unjust this was, how illegal it was. And actually, they backed down. And so often people are resigning and, and, and just sort of hanging their heads as they leave their professions, their jobs for years and not pushing back. They need to push back. There are many legal entities across Canada, across the United States uh, that are helping individuals to fight back against the COVID tyranny, against the unjust, illegal VAX mandates. And they're being challenged in courts all over the world. So we've got to do our part to encourage them to do that. There are also uh, exemptions. There are both religious and medical exemptions. I'm sure around uh, the United States, um, you can get to a doctor who will give you a medical exemption. You can go to uh, the various doctors groups, the You know, the group that we work with at LifeSite most closely, the Truth for Health Foundation, is working very hard to do just that. So you can go visit truthforhealth.org and find out all their resources there. Um, And in addition, those businesses that are really standing up for freedom, that are staying open, that refuse to discriminate based on vaccines, um, we need to patronize them. They're really standing up for freedom right now. And so we need to give them our business. Let's do what we can to support one another. Let's do what we can to support those standing heroically against these VAX mandates.
0: Thanks so much, John Henry. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's episode of the Sustainer segment of the John Henry Weston Show. Thank you so much for staying tuned, and we hope that you'll join us next time on the Sustainer segment. And in the meantime, if you'd like to become a monthly donor, please sign up below or by going to give.lifesitenews.com/sustainlife where you can join our Sustain Life monthly giving program. And again, if you're a current sustaining donor, please be sure to submit all your questions to our email address where you can submit them to John Henry's show for the opportunity to have them answered by him. Thank you so much for your attention. We'll see you next time on the Sustainer segment. May God bless you.